This is For Advisors by Advisors. I'm your host, Evan J. Mayer. And today we have a very special guest, somebody who was my third boss ever and was my boss for, I don't know, five to seven years, Mr. Joseph Lucini. Hey. Welcome to the show, Joe. I was your best boss, by the way. Best boss, 110%. <laughs> Joe Lucini is the Vice President and Regional Director for Synovus Securities uh, of Synovus Bank. And Joe was also, like I said, my boss for five to seven years, who probably knows me better than any boss I ever had. One of my best bosses, but I'm going to call him my best boss. I met Joe, actually, I don't know if you know the story of how I initially spoke to you, but you had cold called me back in 08. I was at Bank Atlantic and I remember pulling into the movie theater in Coral Springs and I was not, and it was my first, it was actually my first call that I ever got from like somebody trying to recruit me. And I remember, you know, back then I kept hearing about all the big bonuses that were out. Now I'm a small producer and my book is worth nothing at that point. Um, and, uh, and I remember asking you for something and you're like talking about money and you're like, you're like, no, not on your business model. No. <laughs> and we didn't speak again for about, I don't know, about three years. And then in 2011, we met at Bradley's. I was with another advisor at the time that was leaving firms. We were talking about joining up. And I remember at the end of our talk, which I was, was a great, was a great meeting. We made a joke that you went in for a hug, like you wanted us. And we were like, oh, he wants us. We're going to be able to get him. Do you remember the meeting at Bradley's? Yeah. Yeah. So we were outside. So Joe, you've been in the business a long time, started off in the wirehouses. Give us a little bit of history of where you were, where you're going. I actually started on the discount houses for, I first um, started my career in 1994. When I graduated college, I got registered that year, started through national discount brokerage, went into Muriel Siebert actually. And then I worked for Quick and Riley. And for Mr. Quick, actually, I worked in Palm Beach in that office where Mr. Quick used to work, Leslie Quick. So interesting storyline for that. But, and then I ended up going to Smith Barney. So that was my first wirehouse that I worked for almost four years there. Were you in management or? I came over as a producer and I went into a producing manager position and ended up running their Wellington satellite office for Smith Barney. So out of West Palm, great office, unique, dynamic advisors there. And then I got recruited from SunTrust, and that was a non-producing position of which I was interested, never worked on the bank side before, so it was something totally different, and I ended up going for it and getting hired. That was a strictly a management position? That was strictly management, no production, and I was there 13 years. And you started there what year? 2005. And you left what year? 17. So more than half your career, pretty much. Yeah. 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 And, and what was your initial territory there in the bank channel? When I first started, I covered from Fort Lauderdale to Vero Beach. And then we had someone else covering the other half of so Miami. So I covered half the territory. So it was two like sub-managers over and then one general director, more or less, that ran the whole territory. And then she ended up leaving SunTrust. And then I put myself in for to run the full territory and got the support of all the advisors. A lot of calls were made on my behalf to get that position and they ended up putting put me in that position. So I ran really from Miami to Vero after that. And Joe was definitely like one of the most liked managers. When I started there, actually I met Annie who's on our team. She was actually part of the onboarding process. When I met her my first day, first day there. And I remember when we were initially coming to the bank, SunTrust, 
I brought a very small amount of assets. I was a very small producer. You believed in me from day one. And one of the nice things and the important things was we negotiated the branches with you that we would get, mm -hmm. and you actually made some moves around that. Talk a little bit about, you know, there's always talk that the branches make the advisor in the bank. And that is not the case from my experience. It's got to be a little bit of both, meaning you can't, you know, uh, there was many branches given to what I would call bad advisors that were not able to seize those opportunities. Branches are important, but how important are branches to financial advisors when they start in the bank channel or the ones that move over to the bank channel? Well, they're very important at the beginning, and that's part of how we created territories, and I even do that today. And it's based on what we feel is uh, makes sense that it's enough of a territory to for someone to make a living and create the relationships with the branches and built that trust to then take their business to the next level. And sometimes you have to make changes based on personalities. I told brokers coming in that their first client is the bank. That's your first client. That's your best client. You got to take care of the branches. You got to check you, you got the door. You have to go in there and be like you're one of them and build that relationship, build that trust. Because in reality, you need them to refer to you in order for you to develop those relationships with those clients and then take that, take those clients further. But if you don't, can't build those relationships or if there's some animosity or something going on, then there's been times where I've had to make changes. And that's where, the, again, territories shift based on personalities and where things are fit. And in reality, you can't, um, can't piss off your branch. Yeah. You know, that's who's feeding you. And right now, uh, Synovus, how many branches are you covering now? 38. And how many advisors? Nine. Nine. So the advisor share right now is probably, what, about four branches, three to four branches per se, per advisor? Yes. Okay. And it, is that kind of the sweet spot? Or do you think, you know, look, firms always want to bring as many advisors as possible. They want to recruit their books of business over, collect that revenue, and then also have those advisors really focus on their branches they get. What is the actual sweet spot? It depends on the territory, because sometimes in some markets like Orlando or Miami, where you could easily survive on two branches, some other territories where it's spread out more, maybe between Lauderdale up to Vero, you could need three or four branches just to, to make it enough based on deposits. When I first started at SunTrust and I was recruiting, it was we really based the branches off the deposit size. So we were looking to have 100 to 150 million in deposits for one rep to cover. And that would shift, again, depending on territories. Some of the larger branches would have 80, 90 million in deposits. So then maybe you give two smaller branches with one big one. But that was the ultimate goal at the start of SunTrust when I was there. And then it, it kind of shift because back then it was all about referrals and amount of referrals. So it was more about the quantity of referrals coming in versus the quality. And I think now with less branches, branches closing, and the, the amount of traffic coming into the branch or the lack of traffic coming into the branches, it's more about the quality of those referrals. And that's where the relationships become even more important with other lines of business. So it wasn't like that in SunTrust. It was more, it was retail, retail, retail. Now it's focus of it's retail, it's commercial, it's mortgage, it's private wealth. It's really partnering with other lines of business to really make this work. And that was always something that SunTrust, I guess, would push is that they wanted that, those partnerships, but the compensation around that didn't quite gel. And I'm wondering like at Synovus, are they figuring out ways to make that gel yet? Yeah, I mean, it, we're, a big focus for us now is the, our partnership with Private Wealth. 
it's all about that. Everything it, private wealth is like the quarterback for relationships at five hundred thousand and higher, and they have to refer to us. So from we're the only advisor that they could they can run the business. So they can't write the business. They only can refer it. So everything investment wise has to go through my for, through a financial advisor through private wealth. Commercial, same thing. There's a quarterback, which is the private wealth. That's more or less the intermediary between that. And their job is to really receive that referral, kind of figure out where's the best fit. Is it trust? Is it investments? You know, clients that need trust business, they go to trust department. If they need anything else, they come to us. Is there any limits on what must go to trust or, or you know, doesn't go to trust no. or no? The client can have 10,000 or 10 million. If they don't need trust services, then it comes to us. That's excellent. So. You know, in our prior bank situation, there was a lot of, I guess, drama and the dollar amounts. If yes. it was a million or it was a million, five million, or it was over 10 million, and they made all these segments. And I understand trying to give higher net worth clients, which are more profitable to your bank, more services. I always had a problem with that advisor is better for this client who has a million and a half compared to the client that has a half a million compared to the client that's got 10 million. And I, I think you probably did too. <laughs> yeah. And then having that dollar amount was really a sticking point for a lot of brokers. It is an issue. And then they had two types of brokers too, two types of, um, two types of brokers really, and two types of bankers. Yeah. So you kind of felt if, uh, if you were dealing with a million and under that you weren't as good as the guy that were dealing with a million and higher and that you couldn't handle that type of business in reality. Uh, you know, you coming up through the retail side. I mean, you were one of the best brokers we had. And uh, advisors, advisors, advisors. Yeah, yeah. Advisors. Remember what Joe T said, right? <laughs> That's true. Um, shout <laughs> out to Joe T. Another good guy. Um, so yeah, while we're at SunTrust, I remember there was a division in who ran the advisors on the separate sides. Eventually, that came together. Ended up not being great for you on a political standpoint because they kind of won that territory. Yeah. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah. But at the same time it finally started to open the doors that said, but you could do that. And I didn't have to feel like, hey, if I sourced a client that had 990,000, I could work with it. But if, if they had 1.1, well, Evan's not qualified for that client. Always found that to be interesting. And it was always, there, there was so much politics. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you were in the bank channel for so long. I'm gonna guess where we came from was a lot more political than where you are now, specifically just from, you know, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong there, but. Given that advisors can work with any kind of client, can you talk a little bit about the politics you had to deal with through those, you know, what, 15 years you were at SunTrust? Yeah, so the politics is, it is, it was different. And because you had a separation of financial advisors and private wealth you know, financial advisors. So, and again, that's where that cutoff of, of the dollar amount made a big difference back then. And you're not having that at Sonovus makes all the difference. So you can deal with a client at 500,000 and you can deal with the client at 5 million. It, you're the same broker. Whereas politically, if it, if it was over a certain amount, we'd have to more or less give the referral up. And, and we worked our ways around on that, working with you a lot to where we made it, uh, we made it under the number and then we uncovered assets elsewhere later. So, which was the right thing to do for you. So, and a lot of my guys, I mean, I took care of them that way because it made sense. And uh, I believe that you guys were just as good as the other guys, so. Yeah, and I, I think we were. I, I guess the one negative I would give, and again, I don't want to speak poorly because I think SunTrust made me who I am in a lot of ways and helped build build myself and my practice and my and help me grow. And I, I have nothing but respect for the people that are still there and the people that have left. But, you know, you were always the advisor's manager, and we knew that. We knew that if you had a manager that had your back, that was out to fight for you and thought of you highly and, and didn't 
what I always liked about you was even when I was new and I was there two, three, four years, you respected the guys that were there 20 plus years, but you also knew where talent was and you wanted to develop it. And I think that's a, a rare skill in management because you didn't see that with a lot of the other managers that were there. Well, I appreciate that. And it's in my job, again, you guys as advisors were my clients, right? So you were my only clients and my job was to take care of you as best as I could. And that meant shifting things around, moving advisors around different branches, playing the political role of fighting with private wealth or whatever it may be in order to fight for, you, for my guys. And I continue to do that now where needed. And I've always been like that. And I think that's that speaks for itself. Now, your role did change a little bit. They would bring in some guys. And I, I had said this on a prior podcast. I think I had something like six managers over that seven-year period, mm. even though you were kind of always a constant. But at one point, the politics got too much. And they started to bring in guys like Orlando Cruz and some of these other guys that were going to be more politically correct and try to fight through those lines. And I even said this in a prior podcast that many of the advisors that were there for a while were like, Evan, don't worry. In two years from now, there'll be a different manager. It, it, Joe's always here. At least we always had that constant. Can you talk a little bit about like those managers coming in, trying to come in with their new way? And then eventually those new ways just never would, would go anywhere. The focus was huge on retail and it was about retail. And I guess the way I fought for my guys, I kind of clashed more or less with retail to some extent because I was fighting for you guys and what I felt was right. And it's not that I didn't get along, it's just different beliefs. And I think they wanted someone to be more smoother with retail and work that avenue because of the local environment and the local of bank control that they had at SunTrust. It was, when I first got there, it was a, the purpose of SunTrust or the, the mantra was, it's a large bank with a local market feel and a local yeah. market control. And I think that control with those, with certain past retail executives that were here in the bank side, we kind of clashed. And I think that's where they wanted to bring in another manager to kind of try to smooth that out, but kept me on, which was good because a lot of that was because of the, my advisors really fighting for me because I did stick up for them and I did help them out a lot. And like I said, I was the one constant. So they, they did try to bring in a couple of different guys to smooth that out. One of the guys was Joe T who we were ringing up, Joe Tabo, yes. who passed away. We both got to work with him for a year. Well, I think it was only a year, like until he passed, right? Maybe a year and a half? A little bit, yeah, like a year and a half. Year yeah. and a half. And he worked out of my Boca office. And I remember he was going to be the new guy. But one thing they did not know was that he was basically an advisor at heart in a lot of yeah. ways. Taught both of us, I think, a lot, a great deal. And wasn't going to take the crap. No. <laughs> Uh, he, he was a fighter that they did not expect he would, he was a scrapper. Yeah. He was a definitely a little scrapper and he would get loud where he needed to do. And he would step up and really fight hard and get in the face of people arguing all the time for his people. I mean, he really fought for his advisors a lot. I think a lot harder. They did not expect that. No, no. Yeah. And I, I think that combination of the two of you guys was just amazing because you both played like the Bob and Weave. Uh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, you were right. You were not full of crap. You would step up and you would say what was important. And we all appreciated that. Um, you know, I wasn't in the bank after COVID. I left right before COVID. Talk about good timing. I left about six months before the lockdowns. How has the banking changed? Are people a lot less likely to walk into the banks as they were? I'm guessing that's true. Has the environment changed? Yeah, definitely environments changed. And it was going that way. We kind of saw that even before COVID, even at SunTrust, we saw there were certain branches that um, they were looking to close based on foot traffic and they were in a lot. And that, I think that's industry wide. It wasn't just SunTrust. And I still think that's going on today. 
moving to mobile. A lot of it now is outbound calls and people trying to bring clients to come in versus your clients walking in. There's certain branches that do have the foot traffic in certain areas because clients do like to come in and they like to talk. And a lot of those are the elderly that we deal with in our state. Um, but it is definitely different and it's a totally different environment now, totally different expectations, totally different on where you have to approach it. Again, that's where the partnership comes into play because you have to engage your other partners. You have to be involved with other lines of business to really survive. You can't just survive on retail alone. Yeah, yeah. What advice would you give to advisors that are coming to the bank channel? You brought a lot of people in to SunTrust as a recruited. I was one of them. There was a bunch that I remember. And then Synovus, obviously, when they hired you, obviously you, you recruited a ton in the beginning. Talk a little bit about what do advisors need to know when they come into the bank? The number one thing is you got to check you out the door. You cannot come in with an ego. You cannot come in with, I'm better than you. These are salaried people that are not making a lot of money and you have the opportunity to make unlimited amounts, right? Depending on how you work your business. And you have to bring yourself down to kind of their level and build that relationship. And if you can't do that, then the bank's not right for you because you have to do that type of it. You, I told guys, you can't, you know, drive fancy cars, you know, to the branches and they see what you're coming in. You still can't do that to some extent. I mean, you really, it's all about the relationship. It's all about the trust. If they can't trust you and if they don't like you, they don't have to refer to you, you know? So for those coming, it is about referrals and it's about the relationship. And if you do it right, and I've said a lot over the years is you play well in the sandbox, you'll do really well. And obviously there's advisors that do get hired and they come in and they get their signing bonuses and they're all excited. And then they lock themselves in their office and they're wondering why they don't get referrals. And it's funny to me because if you're coming to the bank for referrals, you've got to play the game of the bank. You can't play the game of the wirehouse. No, it's different. Correct. You can't just sit in your office. You need to have the open door. You need to be out there talking to the platform people and talking to the manager. You need to know what their goals are. You need to know what you can do to refer back to them. Yep. You need to be able to say, all right, you need, this is how much your deposits you need. This is what you need for loans. Let me see what I can do to help. And you referring back yep. and you helping them make their scorecard is tremendous, tremendous on the bank side. Because if you can help them make their scorecard, they will refer to you all day long. Yeah, and I, I remember I had two of the best premier bankers in the bank. And yeah, some of that was me, but some of that was them. Very talented. Mm -hmm. And teaming was extremely important in understanding what the branch needed from you and that what you needed from the branch. I would say spending half of your day should be based on the bank needs and then the other half on the clients that you currently have because the referrals are unlimited and you can get a bunch of referrals. I just wonder if... You know, I talk a lot about this. Are the good days gone in bank advising and the concept of getting 20 referrals a week? I'm guessing that the, that kind of thing with that walk in traffic is, is probably dead and you're going to have to build relationships with other lines of business. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky if you have good relationships with other lines of business, you'll be, if you get 20 a month, that's good. It's just, but again, the quality of that referral is much better especially if you're on, dealing with other lines of business because that client has other assets already with us, so it's stickier. And a lot of the times those are more higher net worth type clients to where you can gather higher assets. Now, if you were gonna talk to a younger advisor who's gonna build up through the bank channel and then gonna leave the bank channel at some point, what would be the advice to the, those advisors that are officially leaving the bank channel? You know, the, the way- Don't the, go would be one, right? Well, yeah, but they also, <laughs> and this was like, this is interesting at any bank, you know, even at, at Sonovus. I mean, these are bank clients. These are the bank's clients and that's how the bank sees it. So 
whether you're the advisor or not, that is a bank client and that's how they see it. So it is more difficult to pull a bank relationship as an advisor when you leave than it is from a wirehouse. Wirehouse, you own that relationship. It's much different. And the expectation from a wirehouse to a wire is you're bringing 90% of that book. And I would say from a bank channel, um, it's 40, you yeah, know, 40, it's, 50%. It's 40, 50 max. Depends. Again, the longer you're there, the better those stronger those relationships are. So you'll be able to pull a little bit more. But again, it's the stickiness of the relationship. Then you have other lines of business that are also calling that client to, to get them to stay. So if it's mortgage side or if it's commercial or a secured line against those assets, it makes it harder to leave. So there's a lot of things for the bank that they can tie to those relationships to make them harder to leave. And uh, what advice would you give to newer advisors that are starting off? Is the bank channel still a good way to go? Yeah. And in what way? In teaming or I noticed when I joined the bank, the thresholds of the amount of revenue or assets you had was a little lower. And then as time went on, they kept raising those numbers to to where it looked kind of hard to get in. Like if a new advisor wants to come to Synovus or any bank, uh, the best way is going to be through how? Well, if you're starting out with no assets, you got to go through the licensed banker program at any bank because at least you have that some experience of selling something, be it annuities, which is what most licensed bankers can sell, but they're already licensed. They have experience talking to clients. And then you can kind of shift over to our side or the advisor side and then work those relationships with the other lines of business to kind of really grow. Now we're, we're looking for, as L banks, we're looking for experienced advisors that have some type of book to where they can bring something over, have some type of base. You can't come into the bank channel now and 100% rely on referrals from the branches because you won't survive. It's just not like it was 15, 20 years ago back at SunTrust where you could survive because you could, you were getting that many referrals to where they kept coming and you could just sit in your office and clients would walk in. It's not like that nowadays. You need to have some type of base or work your way up through the license banker channel into the advisor side. Do you guys have a license banker channel? We do. You do. Yeah. And yeah. most of the banks do still have it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you got to come in more as a personal banker that, that gets licensed. Correct. Right. Correct. If you were thinking about this podcast in four hours from now, and you're like, I really wanted to make that one point. What would be that one point you'd want to get across? A lot of people think the bank channel, like you said, what we talked about earlier is maybe not as good or is maybe dying, a dying breed, but in reality it's not. I mean, it, the fact that you can work the other lines of business, we didn't really have that at SunTrust to the extent that I see it now at Sonovus. I mean, at SunTrust, we could not penetrate commercial or mortgage where there was high net worth clients. It was different. Nowadays, it is about that. And nowadays, it's not just retail. It is the other lines of business. So I think that it makes it to where it's survivable. And I think that continues. And it's attractive. You would try to work business banking and Trust was the enemy. Trust wanted you to give them all their all your clients. And I remember they would come into the bank once a month and retail would be like, you know, look at them coming in with their fancy suit. Just as you were saying with the fancy car. I remember my first boss told me, don't buy a fancy car and drive, yeah. <laughs> drive it up. And my answer to him was, in the first few years, don't. But once you build the relationships up, it's fine to show some Absolutely. success. So Absolutely. Um, so, Joe, when you left SunTrust, you were there for so long and you finally make the leap and you leave. What was that like emotionally? As an advisor, when we leave, like you always think, and I thought this when I left, I made a lot of friends at SunTrust. And then when you leave, you're kind of leaving in the middle of the night, kind of like when the Colts left Baltimore, yeah. right? You're packing up your truck and you're on your way and you think you're going to keep these friendships. You lose a lot of them when you leave, like no matter what. But as a manager, is that a lot different? 
I keep in contact with a lot of the guys still at SunTrust, not as often as I did at the beginning. As the years go on, it starts to be a little bit less and less, but I have good friends over there that I meet with one that I go to lunch with probably once a month up in Stewart. I talk to a few guys in Miami, friends of mine that I've known for years. And we just, again, they check in on me, I check in on them. Was and, it emotional though when you left? Yeah, it was tough. It was, it was very tough. I didn't want to leave. Yeah. I wasn't looking to leave, but it was a unique opportunity to come to Novus where trying to build something from the ground up. That was a unique opportunity. I wasn't looking. I got an out of the blue call from my boss and I said, well, let me kick the tires and see what it's about. And it was a unique, again, unique opportunity. And when the bank was being bought out and, and starting did you leave, from did the you, ground up. Did you start that pre-merger, like pre-merger announcement? It or? was after the announcement, Okay, but uh, it was in the beginning. So it was in the first year of the announcement a few months in. Few months in, okay. Yeah. Same time I kind of did. And yeah. it was funny because I knew from my own path that I was done with the politics inside of where I was. And as things unfolded with the merger and kind of some of the decisions that were made and uh, some of the things that were coming down the pike, I actually reached out to you, kind of explored. And this is where I'm giving you some credit because honestly, I probably would should not have gone to the bank channel, but because of you, I almost went. And if they would have sent that private jet, you know, uh, <laughs> still still think about that private jet. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were a phenomenal boss and loved having you on the show. Obviously, you're a wealth of knowledge. Anybody that's in the bank channel in Florida or, or has considered maybe thinking about going to the bank channel, I think Joe would be my first call. How can people get a hold of you? I'm on LinkedIn, so I can definitely reach through there. Awesome. And yeah, feel free to reach out to me. If anybody wants to get a hold of Joe, Joe, thanks again for coming in. We appreciate it and uh, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next one. Thank you.